0: FMR 101.3
1: People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. My guest this week is someone I've known for a very long time and he is also a fellow broadcaster, but he is mostly known as a cellist and a conductor. And he is in Cape Town or was in Cape Town for Madiba the African Opera. I'm talking of Kutwana Mosote, who started out in radio way back in 1999 at Classic FM and then went to SAFM and then back to Classic FM and frequently visits Cape Town. So, Kutwano, it's fine and wonderful just to get you into the studio at last in Cape Town. Thank
2: you, Rodney. And just to complete that uh, whole dance movement that I was doing, I am back at SAFM doing weekend uh, shows of classical
1: music. That's right, you see. It's good to know that SAFM is upholding that. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're doing a fine job. But um, do you enjoy the broadcasting side of music? Because music is very much your life. And we're going to discuss that as we go through. You come from a famous historic family musically. But um, do you enjoy the broadcasting angle? I love it. I love it
2: because I'm still dealing with music. Hmm. Uh although not performing myself, appreciating and helping others appreciate and sharing a little bit of my knowledge, my experiences with the music that I broadcast. So I absolutely love it. It's just an extension, I see it, of being a musician.
1: But you've also done a variety of programs, haven't you, when you were at Classic FM? I think you did the breakfast show for a while. Mm. You did a daytime show. You did a lifestyle show, all those things.
2: Yeah, you know, you, you, you know, it's like being a sportsman. You you play where you're asked to play. And so <laughs> you should be well-versed in everything. You know, I particularly enjoyed the lifestyle show I used to do uh, for Classic FM. And then I, I did breakfast, I think, in the last little while, uh, 2018, 2019. And, of course, with uh, with uh, Classic FM, I started off doing something called Classic SA, which was a local content program. So I also got to learn a lot about who is out there of my colleagues, who is recording, who is doing amazing recordings. And it was my business then to find out what exactly the state of uh, classical music in South Africa is and just to let the audiences know about that.
1: And at that stage, it was not too bad, was it? And it sort of was almost the beginning of a kind of a renaissance yeah, for local classical people.
2: Absolutely. I mean, remember, in 1999, uh, orchestras hadn't closed down. And, uh, you know, performing arts uh, complexes like the building that we're in, uh, K-Pab, uh, pack-offs, Pact. Pact, mm. et etc. So it all kind of went uh, down the hill in uh, in about 2000. And so it was at that time when there was a lot more support, certainly from government, and the institutions that are around, be it music schools, the whole uh, music education programs run through the Department of, of Basic Education, etc., were still in a very good state. I have to say they've, some of them have been revived, but, uh, yeah, that was almost the end of a golden era of classical music.
1: But you know what is ironic, Kotluano, is that that happened at the very time where the vestiges of apartheid and black people learning instruments and being able to go to universities and play in orchestras was opening up. And at the very time it opened up, government and various other people started pulling back.
2: Politics, South African politics are very complicated. Um, The politics of exclusivity, which classical music, let's face it, still is. Um you know I'm working here with a group of musicians where the orchestra is about 80% white mm-hmm. which is um, a fact of history and all the singers are black a fact <laughs> yeah. of history so <laughs> it's, it's. so the, we're still trying to bridge these gaps we're still trying to get these traditions to come together, bring them in the same room, and hopefully the more we do it, you'll see more uh, white choristers and more black violinists. But it's going to take time. So, I mean, I think it's my short answer of it's all a process.
1: Yeah, yeah. you use the word there, exclusivity, which I'm sad you use, But you're right, let's face it, you are right. But yet there is something exclusive about classical music because it's so special. That's me trying to get around the yeah, political angle. And I see what
2: you mean, Rodney. You're absolutely right as well. Uh, it, it is. And I say this without any gendered or political racial uh, overtones. It is quite a fine thing. And it's not for everyone. No, it's and, not. Uh, no matter uh, what ni- color you are, neither is jazz. Neither is hip hop. Yeah. So uh, I think classical music, uh, because of its colonial overtones that are associated with it, uh, has this extra burden of always having to justify itself. Uh, but it is a beautiful art form, and when it's done well, uh, and we do it well, I mean, sitting in this <laughs> complex where I've been to see opera, symphony concerts, etc., and and of course the broadcast of of FMR, it's it just it just really drives that home.
1: And you, as I said at the beginning, you're very busy as a cellist and as a conductor. So apart from your broadcasting, you're very practically involved with classical music, Pretty well, all your life yeah, today, n-
2: not the last year or so, it's, well, it's been rough, Rodney. I yeah, won't lie. Uh, with the pandemic. Uh, so, uh, we had an opera gala concert which I conducted at the Market Theater World Places, full wow. orchestra, six incredible soloists. And then, this was last week, and then this week, as you mentioned at the top, we are doing a narrated version of, a, of an opera, South African opera. So, this is amazing, but otherwise, it's been rough.
1: It's been very rough. Music has been hit very, very badly. We're still waiting to see our orchestra here mm. on stage, not with perspex screens, and with the audience not wearing masks. Yeah,
2: so I mean, it's uh, it's horrible. So I tried out a perspex screen at the market to cage myself in, and it's basically what <laughs> dramas use. If you've been to concerts on stage, they they cage up the drama, yes, yes. uh, and that's simply because uh, the the noise on stage or the, the sound that they make on stage. Uh, is overwhelming to those sitting around them so we decided to fly it after a day because it works well it keeps the sound in, so i can't hear and every time i stop and try and give instruction everybody (laughs) says we can't hear so we just got rid so i I decided i'm going to conduct with a mask on which i'm now used to yeah
1: okay now look kotswana let's have your first piece of music you've chosen the third movement of mendelssohn's violin concerto is there a special reason for this it's a beautiful piece of music. Uh,
2: you and I have actually had this discussion years ago. You feel that Mendelssohn's Scottish Symphony is his masterpiece. I feel that this concerto <laughs> is his masterpiece. Well
1: remembered. Gosh. Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a much of a muchness. They're both great works. But this violin concerto is also the first piece of music that I remember falling in love with. Uh, p- first piece of any music, not just classical music. Because my dad used to have an LP of Ruggiero Ricci playing this and the Brooke uh, Violin Concerto on the other side. And he used to play it to my sister and I when we were, I guess, out of have been three and my sister was five. <laughs> and we used to dance to this. It's, it's special to me.
1: And my son's learning it at the moment. Oh, I want to talk about your son. Yeah. But let's listen to this first with Joshua Bell. Lovely, sparkling third movement of Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto, that recording with Joshua Bell. And the first choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, Kutwana Masota. He's a cellist. But you mentioned your father just now, and I mentioned a distinguished family. Your mother and father were very important in Soweto in the classical music world, weren't they? Mm. Just share some of those, what they did They run a symphony orchestra long before any of us knew a symphony orchestra existed in Soweto.
2: Yeah, you know, it's before the internet and Facebook, et cetera, and people posting videos. But my father was mentored by uh, Professor Kabim Goma, amongst others, who uh, Professor Mgoma had himself started a choir and and, and an ensemble, the Ionian Music Society, it was called. And they used to play things like Handel's Messiah, other oratorios from that uh, Handel era. And uh, at some point, my father got violin lessons with a gentleman called Jeff Diedrichs, later with Alan Solomon. But he's my father started teaching string instruments to children um in 1965. Wow. Uh, and wow. among the first of his crop of students were the original members of the Soweto String Quartet, all of whom he taught. And so I was born a little bit later, uh, but grew <laughs> up in this richly musical environment. My father used to work also with choirs. Uh, so a lot of choral music is in my ears as it were. And I uh, I remember some of the great composers visiting him at home. People like... Uh, uh, Dr. Marivate, P.J. Similani, S.J. Koza, Professor Mgoma himself, and these old men would sit in there. My father was much younger than them, but they, they'd they have whiskey into the early hours of the morning <laughs> talking choral, talking symphonic, real intellectuals. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of musical upbringing I had of classical music, pure classical music. You know, when people talk about it's a privilege, I don't think anyone has had more access to classical music than I have of my generation (laughs) in this country, and I mean it. And so my parents also worked uh, in music development. Uh, My father passed on about four years ago. My mother Still kind of uh, semi-retired, still doing the odd thing here and there. We've just done a workshop during the April school holidays with kids from various projects in Soweto. We were assisting her. So she's still active. Yeah, but uh, great educators, great servants of their people. I really take my hat off to them.
1: And during that period, 1964, you said, and that when he started all this, were they not interfered with in any way by the authorities? Well...
2: I mean, this is uh, it. It is inescapable, isn't it, uh, that uh, anything that was successful was labelled as a kind of covert operation of uh, an ANC or a PAC. Because my mother's father was a chap called Zeph Mutubing who for some time was housed not too far from here, across the the bay on Robin Island, for some years. He was the president of the PAC at the time of his death one of the founders of the ANC Youth League, one of the founders of the PAC, he was the founding chair, actually, of the PAC when Sobukwe became the president. So I come from a family of activists. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we, we knew those blue uniforms very well. I mean, we had to stay with, my sister and I had to stay with uh, my father's parents because both my maternal grandparents were detained in 1977 for six months. My parents were also both taken away for, by association. Uh, so yeah, there was uh, always that kind of presence in our lives,
1: mm-hmm. but it didn't break the spirit. Clearly, they kept Absolutely going not. and kept going with music yeah. and kept teaching. Yeah,
2: no, and and you know their work speaks for itself. You know, my father is regarded as the godfather of
1: black symphonic music That's in right. this country. That's yeah. right. What is his first name, your father? Michael. Michael Masote, that's right. And your mother's name? Sheila. Sheila, that's right. I remember. She sends her regards. Thank you. I remember them. They were always very (laughs) friendly to me when I met them.
2: And I told her I would see you.
1: Oh, good. Please return my regards. But now your own family, you're married with two children. Two boys. Two boys. One of your sons is quite an accomplished violinist. Let me know a little bit about that. So we've got two sons, as you say.
2: Uh, Pendo is seventeen. He's uh, yeah he he's uh, he's a student at the Yehudi Menuhin School. One of seventy odd children from all over the world. He's been there since he was thirteen, so uh, he's very settled in the UK. And uh, I mean, it's a boarding school, and they. They don't really go anywhere. <laughs> they mm. just sit there and practice yeah. all day. So he's he's really gifted and he's worked incredibly hard. My my youngest son, Gajo, is a clarinetist. Uh, he decided he didn't want to play a string instrument, the, the weight of the pressure. I mean Michael Masota's grandson and Gugano Masota's <laughs> son. Um and he he's doing great. He's more of a I mean he's a provincial cricketer, he's more of a of a sportsman. But, you know, uh, we encouraged both boys to play, and even when Kaho, the younger one, didn't want to continue, I just didn't want him to come to me when he's 25 to say, why did you let me stop? So now he's on a music scholarship at school, and he's doing well. He's able to find a, a balance between his academics,
1: his sport, and his music. My goodness, so The music continues to flow through the Masote family. It, it
2: is definitely in the genes. And
1: your lovely yeah. wife—is she at all musical? Not at all. <laughs> However, she is. Very a, she,
2: yeah, she is a she is a musician in her own way. Yeah. You know, I I I've had the privilege to meet people uh, that don't play music and don't have any training, but they're such incredible musicians. Uh, I remember when I worked with John Machikiza, the late John Machikiza. He come to my score and says, this and this I need out. He knew exactly where to go, but he didn't read music, but he just had a sense of it because music was in him, and she's kind of like that. Okay. Yeah, and we've been together for 20 years, married for 18. Uh, I'm sure you'll remember that day in the garden in Auckland Park in, uh, when we got married. I remember you, it very you're clearly. You are one of our wedding guests, right? I new?
1: was, yeah. in the garden of the Johannesburg Country Club. That's it. Well, and I'm not a member. Oh. Well, we allowed you in because you were special. Yes. Let's have another piece of music. I see now, here's a famous cello piece, the Elgar Cello Concerto. It's almost pointless me asking you why you're playing this, but just say something special about she, it. She was
2: amazing. Jackie Dupre, Pablo Casals once said of her that she still needs to do some practicing, and it's true, <laughs> there were people even then that played the cello better than her, but she, she was oozing music. She was mm. She wanted to express, and she couldn't even hold it back. And I guess it's part of the tragedy and uh, that that she had a career cut short. But Jackie Dupre, at age 19, I think it was, recorded the El Goccello Concerto with Sir John Barbaroli conducting. And it's one of those recordings that everybody must own.
1: Absolutely. And you've chosen the third movement, which is the slow movement, which is the most intimate of yes. all. And the way Jackie, well, we'll hear now the way she plays it, the sort of, inward quality that she brings out, if that makes sense. Let's listen to Jacqueline Prey. You know, uh, Kutwano, they say that that movement, um, I read some and it's almost as though we're embarrassed to be listening to it because it's so personal on Algar's part that you almost don't want to listen to it, and yet it's such beautiful music, especially played like that. The third movement of Elgar's cello concerto in the famous recording with Jacqueline Dupré and the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by Sir John Barbaroli. Brilliant choice of my guest, Kutwana Masote, and we're chatting about his varied life in music, broadcaster, cellist, conductor. What made you take up the cello? So we've discovered that Mm. you... Um, heard the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto as the first piece you really loved. You, your family were so immersed in music. Why did the cello come to the fore? It's the cool of it. Uh,
2: the cool, yeah, it's the cool <laughs> of it. Uh, cool. So I mean, there were violinists all around. Uh, father, sister, even mother uh, played a bit of violin. I think that's how. That's why she she wanted to be close to this guy, the teacher. Uh, she was an adult learner. Uh, so she she played a bit and she helped teach uh, the, the beginners at some point. So I I wanted something different uh, and I remember the cellists in my dad's orchestra were always so cool. And uh, and my father said when you're big enough, I might let you try. And so when I was about ten, eleven, he let me have a go and
1: you know didn't look back. Gosh. And who were who would you say were some of your biggest influences with the cello? I mean, there are so many famous cellos about mm. as well, cellists, I should say.
2: Yeah, so Yo-Yo Ma, without a doubt. Oh, really? Uh, you growing, mentioned him first. Yeah, I say, yeah. Top of no, the list. He's he's probably the most recorded classical artist, uh, or one of. Uh, mm. So, and and he's done so much uh, later on. He started branching off into tango, you know, the Silk Road uh, projects, etc. But I think he set such a high bar with his uh, with his earlier recordings. So uh, he had me mesmerized as a teenager. Mm. Uh, I've still got the poster that I got at CD Warehouse in Southgate, if you know where that is, Rodney, <laughs> while I was still at school, and, and that's a long time ago. And, and hearing him last year, which is the last time you and I caught up uh, when I was here for the concert at Kirsten Bosch, a real, real, real cellist. I love Pierre Fournier. Uh, you know, I also love the old school cellists like Funia, Navarra, Casado, if you get hold of those recordings. Uh, about two years ago, I heard Gary Hoffman in Johannesburg coming to play, and it just reminded me of that old way of playing, that, that really honest way of playing mm-hmm. the cello, which nobody does anymore.
1: It's interesting that you say Pierre Fournier because he I would have thought is quite a contrast to your Yomar. His mm. playing is so refined. Yes. It's so typically French, isn't it? So and, and that's the
2: old, school, the old of, school of playing cello, you know, yeah. everything. Uh they they make beauty without, you know, stretching the music. It's in the sound, it's in the honest intonation, it's it's in the style. They they really adhere to the style. Mm-hmm. Where I find in the last thirty or forty years 50 years, cellists have tended to want to sound like violinists, which, which is a completely different instrument. Uh, you mean a
1: virtuoso, yeah, a, a, a so they, concentrating they, on virtuosity. Because
2: because the technique of the cello, I mean, people became better. Yeah. so And they started even taking uh, virtuoso violin pieces on the cello because now they can do it. Uh, So they kind of lost the essence of the voice of the cello, if I can put it. Absolutely.
1: I mean, there's so many cellists around today, Yoyo Ma being the most famous, although he's almost old school. He's late 60s. He's late 60s, yes. But I mean, I'm trying to think just offhand. There's a cellist with whom Daniel Barenboim recorded the Elgar Concerto, Alicia Somebody. Um, Do you not know? And... um, it was interesting to listen to that recording mm. compared to Jacqueline Dupre. And as good as she is, she's it's, not it's, Jacqueline Dupre. Uh,
2: yeah, well, so the, it's almost Wallenstein, an unfair comparison. Unf- yeah, I think it's almost an unfair comparison with the Elgar because mm. you would struggle to find, even Rostropovich, to something to match just the sheer brilliance and, and the playing from the gut. In yeah, a way that ja- yeah. Jacqueline did, and and I think for that piece. But I, I the point you make is is valid. Uh, I listen to even violinists, even they have changed. I listen to a lot of Ray Chen because my son loves him, and I listen to there's a there's a brilliant young uh, I think he's Spanish uh, cellist by the name of Pablo Ferrandez. My goodness, this guy is accurate, um, and he plays like a cellist, less like a violinist.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: So I mean, I th- I guess it goes through
1: phases. You know, we spoke of Yo-Yo Ma at Kirstenbosch, where he played the Bach orchestral suites. Is that something you've put into your repertoire? I suppose most <laughs> cellists have to get to it. <laughs> well, he I'd said t- laughing t- t- nervously. I certainly
2: <laughs> never planned to play them all in one sitting, not even at home. Yes. And this guy did it, Yeah. aged 65. I mean, it was, it was he blew everyone away. Didn't take a break. Yes, I learned the first three. The last three, uh, the, they're a next step up. I just, I just never got to them. Uh-huh. Um, but this guy did it. Uh, yes, I love the Bach suites. Everyone must learn them if you play violin or cello. You should learn the ones for your instrument. The violists get to learn both. It's, it's very intimate. Uh, it's almost religious, if I can call it mm, that. That's a good description. Um, you know, because Bach himself was so religious, and I think everything that he did, he did for the for the glory of God And, and you can hear it in the music that he's writing about something greater than just the sounds that will come off the page
1: our mutual friend Susan Cock said something that I've never forgotten about the Bach cello suite she said when you listen to them it's like sitting listening to an old wise man who knows everything about the world and the universe and you just listen you don't want him to stop and
2: when you hear them as often as I've heard them, there's always something new mm. that you're taking away. I mean, it, it really is probably the, the the handwriting of God, if you like.
1: Gosh, that's, very, that's yeah. a new one. Yeah. I shall quote you. May I quote you on Please that? Please do. Just <laughs> <Let's>, credit. <laughs> yes. Let's have another piece of music. Some choral music, the
2: Hallelujah Chorus. My father loved the Messiah. He grew up singing the Messiah. I think it's, it's kind of like the gateway drug into classical music, uh, Handel's Messiah, because everybody knows, knows the Messiah, and everybody has a favorite piece from the Messiah. And my father, amongst his many achievements, he translated the Messiah into South African languages, a version called the South African Messiah. This is not the version we're going to listen to, but uh, I think the Hallelujah Chorus is without a doubt the most famous piece of classical music.
1: It is rather magnificent, isn't it? The Hallelujah Chorus, which ends part two of Messiah by Handel. that I suppose, we could these days call a politically incorrect version because everything now is period instruments Mm. and, uh, you know, but that was... Otto Klemperer conducting the Philharmonia Choir and Orchestra and a really fantastic version too. Thanks. That's Kutwano's third choice here on People of Note this week on Fine Music Radio. Kutwano Masorte. we spoke about your cello career and then suddenly I started seeing that you were conducting. What caused that? Was it something you wanted to do? No. In fact, I was uh, dragged kicking and screaming
2: to conducting lessons uh, by my friend uh, the late John Machigiza. I met John in about 1999. He needed to put together a small string ensemble to perform his father's music, Todd Machigiza, who'd been a choral composer, a jazz musician, and, of course, author and journalist. And uh, John wanted to do a retrospective on his father's work, and it turned out we were neighbors in Melville, Johannesburg, at the time. So, we, you know, we just started meeting regularly, um, you know exchanging ideas and John would end every meeting with when we find the money we're going to stage this concert and you are going to conduct and I'd laugh and leave <laughs> you know could so you th-
1: presumably never done any because
2: I'd never conducted I mean I'd yeah. helped out with youth orchestras and things you know I you know you Eat know, two hel- in the bar. yeah and and just help my dad out etc when he was still conducting so the moment came in 2006 when Brad Holmes of Arts Alive and Baseline up in Johannesburg found money uh, to do a mayoral opening of the festival, the Arts Alive festival. And he turned to his friend John to say, look, I think this would, we could do something around your dad's music. And John gave me a call. <laughs> we went to a meeting with Brad and Robert Brooks also was there of Miyagi and it was decided then that I would conduct, to which I said, but I can't conduct. And so there was a budget set aside for me to be sent to to Robert Maxime, who mentored me and prepared me for that. Uh, Robert Maxime, of course, is, is a wonderful musician, and I learned more than just about conducting from him. His life experience, as you know, Rodney, he can certainly tell a story. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so that's that's how it came about. Uh, as I say, I was dragged there kicking and screaming. So we did our first concert doing the music of Machikiza with orchestra and choir. And also the music of Ladysmith Smith, Black Mambazo, which Isaac Gru had orchestrated, and they did that whole project, which was Grammy-nominated, nom- actually, with Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, and the English Chamber Orchestra. So we repeated that, not with the English Chamber Orchestra. And so that was my first conducting gig. I enjoyed it so much, I decided I wanted to do it again.
1: But now, have you, you have also conducted, I want to say, proper concerts with Concerto Overture Symphony you've done that as well as the more lighter stuff. Right so you know part of my
2: life's mission is to take away these overtones around exclusivity, colonial, uh, you know, around classical music. So one finds oneself doing a lot of cross-cultural projects because one of the other things that I do and I do quite well is arrange and orchestrate. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that because that's an art in itself. It it is. It is. It's not just uh, transcribing. It's, Mm. It's arranging. It's giving a new sound, a new life to the work. So I've used those skills to create more work for myself so that I can conduct and uh, as I mentioned earlier, we did an opera gala concert in Johannesburg. It was Bellini, uh, Mozart, Mascagni, et cetera, with six incredible singers. And so I can, you know, get stuck into that repertoire. Of course, coming from a symphonic background myself, I'm not a singer, so I love the operatic stuff, but I also enjoy conducting the, you know, the traditional symphonic music along with the cross-cultural and newer compositions.
1: Mm-hmm. So are you still playing the trillo?
2: Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> v- hardly, Rodney, I have to be honest. And I don't have an excuse. I used to make it the excuse that I was very busy. I've had a year where I stayed home, literally, and I did very little celloing. Uh I mean, it was just also in, and I guess, how one was feeling through uh, those hard lockdowns. Uh, it was difficult to do anything. I got ahead with other work, but, yeah, I think once you leave it for a long time, it's very difficult to go back to it because you know what it should feel like.
1: Yes, And you spent so many years in the front desk, weren't you, of orchestras in Johannesburg Yeah, with the cello?
2: Yes, front, middle, back. Yes, but, <laughs> but yes, I think the point you're trying to get across, Rodney, is that I know what to do when, with cello in hand. And one invested a lot. I mean, I studied at the Menuhin Academy in Switzerland, handpicked by Yehudi Menuhin himself, played great deal of chamber music in and, 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 and those days mm-hmm. and when I came back to South Africa. I do miss it. I, I have to say I enjoy the conducting role as well because I get to influence programming. I get to also mentor younger musicians, which is something, obviously, that I saw others do before me that I'm also very passionate about.
1: Oh, that's good news, because there are some people who don't like teaching. So you enjoy that aspect so as well. So
2: mentoring and teaching, okay, are I, different. I, the same thing, but <laughs> I, I don't sit, I don't give, ins- I don't give lessons. I don't uh, have uh, beginners come and show them how to hold the bow. Um, I did it for a very short time at, at my parents' project in Soweto. And Abel Szilagyi, I don't know if you know who he is, Standard Bank Young Artist from a few years ago, um, doing really well as a cellist and does all the throat singing, jazz. He's based in the UK and he's a boy that I taught. So the very little <laughs> bit of teaching that I did has yielded great fruit.
1: You seem so happy and confident and positive and relaxed with your life? Yeah, so I'm 48
2: years old now. I'm not the young man you met 25 plus <laughs> years ago. right? I
1: remember very clearly. Yeah,
2: and, and I think I think the last year has also taught me many lessons about, um, about why we're here. Parenting teaches you a lot as well. But uh, I'm glad it's coming through. I do feel good at the moment. Um, one goes through ups and downs in life. But I, I guess now... I, I I'm starting to feel also that I'm starting to enjoy some of the hours put in earlier in my life. I find that uh, even when I get into sticky situations, whether it's in rehearsal, whether it's in other areas of my life, I navigate them much more easily and uh, actually gracefully as well. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's a good place to be.
1: Good. We're going to have another piece of music now involving a cello. This arra- well, it's not an arrangement, is it? Songs Without Words by Mendelssohn, Opus 109, for cello and piano. You say original. It's, it's or a an original
2: piece. It's one of four original pieces that he wrote, uh, Mendelssohn, for cello and piano, or piano and cello, some people would like to say. Uh, he wrote the two sonatas, which are definitely for piano and cello. He wrote a set of variations, um, and then this piece, which is his last published piece. Uh, the songs without words in d major opus 109
1: Song Without Words by Mendelssohn, Opus 109. In that arranged, well, it's not an arranged, I keep saying that, an original work for cello and piano. Another choice of my guest on People of Note this week on Fine Music Radio, the conductor, cellist, and broadcaster, Kotwano Masorte. And Kotwano, you recently left Classic FM because there are major problems there, and you went to the SCBC to SAFM and Mm. that's where you are now.
2: Yes, I do weekend programming my show is called Weekend Sound on the Classics and it's from 4 to 7 in the afternoons on a Saturday and Sunday which is a great slot and I think the thinking there was that most radio stations uh, play um, R&B and that kind of old school sort of 70s, 60s, 80s music at that time on a weekend, even 702 your talk radio stations have that music like uh, that golden oldie thing. Yeah, yeah, so your solid gold sound, and uh, so SAFM thought that there is possibly an audience that is looking for something different at that time, and it's it's a good time, especially on a Saturday, for people to be mm. listening to to, to 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 classical music. Do you compile your own shows? I compile my own shows, which means I have free reign, as it were, as to how I I want to. You know, have the, the program, uh, no interviews, uh, perhaps in the future if, you know, we get out of, you know, limiting people in, in and out of studio. So at the moment, it's just it's just music.
1: Gosh, that sounds wonderful, actually. And, um, I'll have to tune in, I suppose, if I can remember where SAFM is. <laughs> Good one. But listen, we're coming towards the end, uh, of the program now. And it's been, as I mentioned earlier, joy to talk to you because of your positiveness and your relaxed attitude towards all this thing that can sometimes create all sorts of tensions and mm-hmm. problems among people and organizations. But I know it's unfair, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think about the future of classical music? Are we going to have orchestras and opera companies? Do we have a place for our younger people to go in the future?
2: I think there is a groundswell of young people, uh, especially black people, previously disadvantaged, people in South Africa learning classical instruments, singing, I mean, I don't even have to say. I mean, we, it's Probably opera singing is our best export in this country. Uh, So there's certainly interest. There's greater access. I think it can only translate to a healthy industry uh, further down the value chain. So it's up to us that are the current custodians as the leaders in the industry to make sure that we continue to grow the opportunity and the spaces for young people to come in much more easily. Uh, This doesn't mean dropping standards. But I do think the, the classical music is probably in a better place than it was 20 years ago because now there is a projection that we can make. Mm. We've been through the dips and the troughs, and now we can look at what's around. Um Funding, of course, public funding is still very unreliable. Uh, so it's up to you know, corporate South African private individuals to keep making sure that the young people have access to education opportunities. And I'm sure that further down the line, it will translate into a healthy classical music, whether it's opera, ballet, symphonic uh, environment. Well, this is very
1: good to hear from you, Kirwan. I'm presuming being absolutely honest. I, I really
2: am. Mean, I mean, there, you know, everybody used to talk about Bus aid. Mm. They still do, but they talk about other projects as well. And yes. uh, the children that didn't go to Basque aid that are also doing well. So, the, you know, there are middle class families that don't need a project like Basque aid, but hopefully we'll keep funding those, those and supporting those initiatives in addition to
1: private initiatives. And as you also say, it's now more important for the public sector to uh, support orchestras. Mm. The government yeah, clearly look, has other things to do.
2: Look, the government is, um, they have different priorities. Uh, they have to feed uh, children at schools. They have to build houses, build roads, etc. And the the arts should rank a little bit higher than they do. Perhaps that switch will come on mm-hmm. uh, not too long from
1: now. And let's hope that in the meantime, Not too many young musicians leave this country.
2: Well, you know, it's like saying um, the best cricketers shouldn't go and play at IPL and rather turn out for the Lions. You can't stop them; they are ambitious. uh, If the opportunities are there, same with the singers, same with young violinists. You know, I mentioned earlier that I have a young son uh, who's a teenager playing already at a high level and studying at a you know prestigious school. Should he come back? I don't know. I'm telling both my children, that they should be excellent in whatever they do so that they can be employable anywhere. They shouldn't be bound by their passport to live where it says they can live. Just be Fair good enough, enough to get employment anywhere. And if anywhere includes Cape Town, Johannesburg, so be it.
1: <laughs> There's <laughs> some positive. we to end now, Kotwano. Thank you very much for that chat. And I'm sorry I missed your opera that was here, the narrated version of Madiba, the African opera. But you never know, it may come back and it may be online. But um your last piece of music is a Paganini Caprice, mm. which is slightly unexpected because of the violin. Yeah. So I
2: love violin music. I'm surrounded by violinists, raised by one uh, father to one um, you know, one of my best friends, you'll know, is Samson Diamond, mm. Caius Oprea and Sigrun Oprah, uh, mutual friends of ours. So I'm surrounded by, by violinists. And yeah, I chose this one because uh, it's something short and to the point, uh, quite humorous. And my son is also playing it, so I've heard it in the house when he, when he was home. <laughs> and um, not you know. torn your hair out. No, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's a lovely piece to just say goodbye
1: to, with. And thank you so much, Rodney, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. My guest, Kutwana Masorte, here's Paganini's Caprice number 13.